Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by Kev Pogzalski, and Vito Doria is back. Vito, it's good to see you again. It's good to speak to you. It's nice not being left alone with Kev. How the hell are you? <laughs> oh, look, I'm feeling um, a bit better now, but yeah, just the way things are now, I'd be glad just to make it to at least two pods in a row, to be honest. 2021 hasn't been <laughs> the best for me health-wise so far, so... If I can get a good run, I'm happy with that. You've basically become the FIF pod's Ed Nazard. Like, I mean, you're, you're just you're not here more often than you're here at the moment. But yeah, Kev, it's we've weird. Been, we've been trucking on anyway, Kev. Just about. It's been getting tough at times, just looking at each other's mugs. But how are you keeping? Yeah, I was trying to work out who I am. Then you know, obviously, I'm the elder statesman. But am I? God, don't don't call me the the Ibrahimovic of the team because I'm here every week and he's had his injury problems. So I don't know, my Qualiarella. Um, I don't know. Who do you want to be? Um well yeah, I've never scored many goals really. So uh either of those will do. Excuse Probably Qualiarella over over his last hand. Don't be disrespecting those two fine men. Um if you're gonna be anyone it's probably Matteo Destro. I know he's had a bit of a resurgence this season, but generally it's just slightly below average, but not bad enough to get the boot. <laughs> Is that fair? Uh, wow. You're the one giving me the critique. I don't know if I should comment on why I'm a rougher. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, guys, we are here to talk about football, and it's one of those really weird weekends where I watched quite a lot of the Serie A games over the weekend. And in isolation, most of them seemed quite good. But when you step back and look at the the table after the weekend, not all that much changed. So I'm just going to run through the results before we start talking about things. Spezia Crotone played out a 3-2 thriller on Saturday to start the action. Spezia won with two late, late goals there. 
Then Milan went away to Parma and won 3 1, despite Zlatan Ibrahimovic doing his best to compromise Milan's chances by talking himself into a straight red card. Torino beat Udinese and probably the biggest result of the weekend. Inter started Sunday's action with a 1 0 win at home for Cagliari to restore their 11 point lead at the top. Lazio beat Verona 1 0. Juve beat Genoa 3-1. Napoli beat Sampdoria 2-0. Vito's going to have a little bit of a heated rant on that, I'm sure. Roma beat Bologna 1-0. And Atalanta beat Fiorentina 3-2 at the end of Sunday. There is still, of course, one game to be played on Monday evening. Benevento host Sassuolo there, which will be quite a good game to watch. But we're not going to be talking about it, obviously, because we're recording before it happens. But Kev... What was your standout moment from the weekend? And we'll start from there. Uh, God, I didn't know if you are going to start from there. Like you, it feels like too much fit football rather than a lot of football. <laughs> but I think it's because it was all back to back to back. Um, but probably let's start with Inter. You know, just 11, 11 wins in a row. And doing it with... Uh, so in the last 10 games, sort of 20 goals scored, four conceded. You feel like they should be doing more because they're kind of running away with the total now, yet, you know, an average of two goals a game isn't bad if you're conceding like that. And it just it just feels peak Conte. And actually, while I'm on Conte, there was something, there was something a little sad about him going and joining the celebrations. Oh, no. And so it... It felt a little forced and it was just like, it, it was almost whether, has he gone past the age or the period in his coaching career now where he, you know, all the stuff that we used to love him doing, you know, the kicking the ball and the jumping on the, you know, in the Euro uh, 2016, wasn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Is he, is he grown out of that a little bit now? It's, it's a bit like myself, you know, I'm nearly 40 and when I put on a football shirt, obviously I am wearing a football shirt now, it's like oh, do you need to leave that part of your life, you know, behind now and sort of be a little bit more, uh, I don't know, dignified, if that's the right term for him. Maybe it is more for me. Oh, come on. I think, like, look, I've stuck the boot in on Antonio Conte more than anyone on this pod this season. I think you've gone a little bit harsh there. This is what Conte is and this is why we love him. Yeah, I think it was just that it, it, it looked... Yeah, you know, again, well, it was the first game I watched today, but it just looked as though it was a little bit more forced. And maybe because it's not, you know, if this was week 37 and there was they had like a four or five point advantage and then they, you know, they went seven to win the league. I don't know. It, it just felt like he was, you know, the game was never really going to be lost. It, you know, it, they could have drawn, you know, Calgary did actually put up a, a very decent sort of attempt at trying to hold them. And although it was just the celebration at this stage of the season after 11 wins, how far they are. And uh, it was just like, it wasn't as, as sort of natural as it usually is with Conte, which is what we like to see because, you know, he's, you know, he's got that bit, that bit, a bit of fire inside him. I don't know. I disagree. This is a man who, after the game said, the players know how I feel about them. I'd throw myself into fire for them. And also said that he wished he could still play because he'd love to go out onto the pitch and help them out. I just think this is Conte. And I think this is one of the positives about him is that he's very much that. His heart's on his sleeve and then some. He's great value. When he's not complaining, I love him. When he's complaining, my feelings are the exact opposite of that. But 
I don't know, Vito, you've got to give him this. He's about to win into their first Scudetto in over a decade. Oh, look, with uh, Conte, he's all uh, he's very agitated or negative. So when he shows some joy, you know, at least it's a, a change from uh, what he usually does. You know, better to see him just jumping around, running around with joy and uh, it was a top. He also, you know, he hugged and kissed Hakimi. So it's good when a coach shows emotion like that, regardless of the age. Uh, I've just, you know, growing up, I've just been so used to Italian coaches just standing around like statues, you know. I think of especially uh, when uh, Fabio Capello was uh, coaching in club football. He was just very serious, very stern, and just thought, okay, it's good to be composing all that focus on the job but just uh surely if your team is winning or you at least score a goal show show something i mean um so yeah just uh i think most most said yeah coaches in general seem to have this rather i think it's more of a cold demeanor i wouldn't say a a cool and calm demeanor but just very cold and serious i mean when I think about it, even when uh, Marcello Lippi was in his coaching prime, just the thought of him smoking his cigars looked pretty cool because everybody else was just very mundane. Yeah, no, I, I'm all for this from Conte. And it's something I like about Gasparini as well. Like Gasparini is guaranteed to give you three red cards a season from himself. <laughs> he's got two already. And it's just, it's great value just watching him on the sidelines. I remember being at the, um, the Artemio Franchi not last season, but the season before, probably when whenever Stefano Pioli was there, and Fiorentina scored a goal, and this you know Pioli like very well dressed, he had his gilet on, and he just looked fantastic. But Fiorentina scored a late goal, Pioli's gone. He's down in front of the press box on top of the pile. I, I just love it. I like seeing it happen. <laughs> I'm all for it, Kev. You need to back off Conte in this situation. I'm gonna fight his corner for him. But <laughs> this win was huge and I think that it shouldn't have been huge but now this Inter team are probably giving Inter fans a lot of satisfaction not just because they're going to win in Scudetto but because they are playing over the course of this season not just in their recent games like a Jose Mourinho team in that they play really nice attractive or what you could call attractive football whatever that is at the start of the season they smash teams, they score a lot of goals, and then in the reverse round of fixtures, they just win. Aesthetics don't matter, just win. And that's what Inter are doing, Vito, at the moment. They're getting a bit of criticism for it, but can you really question them? I mean, the first Scudetto in over a decade and stopping Juventus from getting 10 in a row, surely it's just win at whatever cost for them this season. At this stage, given what you've just mentioned, that's how it should be. I think regardless of what type of football they play, we should just be glad that we're going to see someone other than Juventus win the Scudetto. And considering that Inter haven't won anything since the 2011 Coppa Italia final, um, yeah, just I think in Interisti would be glad just to see their team get the silverware. Not only that, you don't hire a coach like Antonio Conte for entertaining football. He's never been about that. Um, he's about winning domestic trophies 
in creating a team that's just going to work their socks off constantly throughout games. So yeah, it'd be nice if um, there was a coach out there in Serie that could bring, you know, aesthetically pleasing football and bring silverware because I, I honestly think that would start a revolution in Italian football, but that's another can of worms altogether. But uh, I think Inter, it's about, um, you know, making sure that they get those trophies on the board. And I think uh, even for the neutrals, maybe the Nero Zuri aren't the most pleasing team on the eye, but I think uh, we really need this much-needed break from Juve's domestic dominance. It's that old debate, though, isn't it? Is, is football entertainment or is it about winning? And I think if you're an Inter fan, this football is entertaining. It might, it's not like swashbuckling, attacking football or anything, but to be on the edge of your seat like that and then to get a winner through your left wing back who you signed from Parma, I mean, that is <laughs> entertainment, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. But Kev, Christian Eriksen had a good game for Inter today. Yeah, he forced, uh, forced a save from the goalkeeper right at the start of the game. And it's those, it's those, those little things that maybe, you know, if that goes in, then the game does turn a little bit more one-sided in, in Inter's favour. And when they're as far in the lead at the top of the table as, as they are at the moment, that they don't they don't have to particularly press too much. Again, you know, we're talking about the sort of the entertainment value. Um they were saying on the uh the UK UK broadcast of the game how Ericsson is doing well, but it's almost in comparison to the fact that Conte wasn't using him and it's I kind of haven't got my head around that yet whether I'm impressed with his performance or is it just the fact that we're seeing him now and he's having <laughs> he is he is definitely having a positive contribution but how much were we expecting him to have on this side and obviously he's, he's not really come into it until into have kind of got a foothold on the league um you know being performing really well as a team so I don't know I'm I'm yet to kind of sit and think are they getting the you know, it's probably what they wanted to get get out of Ericsson just yet. And maybe, you know, it'll be next season. It's it's really hard to judge because it also feels like he's only joined into this year because mm. the two seasons seemed so close together and he joined at the midway stage of last year. And you just wonder with a proper and full pre-season, maybe even Conte having more time to work out exactly what he wants to do with him. Um, if we can see maybe just another, you know, one more level from, from Ericsson at Inter. I don't think you're going to get the Christian Eriksen that was at Spurs because Conte and Pochettino just don't play in any way similarly. You know, I don't think it's possible for a player like Eriksen was at Tottenham to to work at Inter, but there is a way to use him. And for so long, the criticism was that Conte just wasn't. And I'm not so sure that Eriksen only came in once they had a control of things because he played. I'm I'm getting seasons mixed up, but wasn't it in a in a derby this season? Yeah, where he who got who got in? Well, somebody got injured, didn't they? Which allowed him to come in. And I think in, it was the Coppa Italia derby. I, I can't remember if it was Brozovic or, or somebody was out, whether it was injury or suspension or something. And then he kind of got more game time. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just whether he won't be using the same way as he was used at Tottenham. But you know, it's almost the player as much as the coach working out. Hmm. You know what role he needs to, you know, fill in this sort of side for him to have to, to have more of a contribution. You know, 
this is without looking at what his, his goals or assists are like this year, but you do feel, you know, at least on the score sheet, he could potentially contribute more if he if he gets the opportunity to next season. But yeah, at least it hasn't been the the uh, underwhelming sign in, in that it was looking. Mm. And, you know, I think the expectation was that he could even be out the door. I, I don't see that happening now. We're sitting here talking about Christian Eriksen, a nice player on the ball, Vito, but it was... It was an Antonio Conte bread and butter win. This the wing back to wing back, one of the wing backs had just come on for another wing back. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's Antonio Conte's dream. This goal. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I think it represents uh, what's good about Conte's usage of three five two. That uh, the wing backs do have a great importance in his team. Uh, Hakimi, he hasn't been consistent in his first season but when he has a good day he's very good and it was a fantastic substitution on the contest part just uh, when Hakimi is on he just uh, he can just blitz through the opposition and then that ball crossed the face with the goal uh, that was a fantastic assist from the former Real Madrid and Dortmund man so really enjoyed that but uh, someone like Damien scoring definitely is uh very typical of a Antonio Conte team. Um, Conte is not the best when it comes to managing, was it? Naturally gifted players, shall we say. But I think if you're either, well, is it one of those physically imposing players or workhorse, uh, he'll get something out of you. And even if a player is perceivedly average, he'll somehow make them into a functional player or even a world beater. So these players that, you know, might look average elsewhere, they somehow turn out to be a lot better when they're under Conte's tutelage. And uh, that was one thing I was actually discussing with my father when we were watching the game. When I look at Darmian, um, he went to Manchester United. So in a way, if you're someone that follows Serie A uh, more than anything else, like my father, you sort of don't keep track of him and he's, it's like he's sucked without a trace but uh, you know Darmian was a top player at Torino he he was in the national team when Antonio Conte was coach so he's already familiar with Conte's methods and uh, again uh, he's making his impact uh, at club level absolutely right Kev Milan are still second because they won away at Parma 3-1 you did the report for us on this one and 3-1 kind of flatters them given how the third goal came about. Yeah, a little, a little bit. It, it, 2-1 probably would, would have been slightly fairer. Um, Palmer really let themselves down because um, Milan scored within about sort of seven or eight minutes. Palmer didn't seem to want that to be the moment which they said, okay, let's go out and attack. They seem to be happy and think, okay, we're, we're going to, a little bit like Calgary of Inter, we're going to sort of sit on this and try and, you know, take our opportunity towards the latter stages of the game. And then on the stroke half-time, they fell two goals behind and that finally pushed them to come out and attack in the second half. Um, Donnarumma made a brilliant double save from Galliolo and then uh, Graziano Pella. Then the game kind of, you know, because Palmer were then dominating. Ibrahimovic was sent off with half an hour to go. 
and they kind of stepped it up a little bit. But Palmer at that point were already beginning to dominate because I think they they realised that it was it was all all bust. Um, Gallio though, then got his goal, mm. and you know Milan got the third from breaking away at the end with with Palmer put, putting as much pressure as they could they could possibly um, do on Milan. So yeah, it, they were they were probably never at risk of of losing the game, maybe drawing, you know, but Kessie kind of controlled everything in midfield, even when they were down to 10 men, Milan, but the, the, the third goal does flatter them somewhat. The Ibrahimovic thing is um, a bit of a, a scandal, uh, it, it maybe, because it, it seems like there was just a, a bit of a misunderstanding <laughs> where Ibra was just doing his thing and moaning to, to Maresca, the referee, and kept saying, so you don't care what I have to say. It seems strange to me that you don't care what I have to say. Um, obviously, in Italian, it's a little bit different how that sounds. And Maresca reportedly thought that Ibrahimovic said that he was a bastard. <laughs> Instead of saying mi sembra strano, he thought he said bastardo. And I just think you've got to be 100% if you're going to send someone off. And then after that, Donnarumma was audibly giving out to Moresca, saying, oh, you always have to be the main character in this, don't you? You always have to be the star. Not a peep towards Donnarumma. The, the thing that, I don't know, just made me question when, when that came out, when I, was, well, when I saw it today, was just how easily Ibrahimovic left the pitch. You know, he was you know, he was constantly, you know, you could see him. He was just like every time he was, you know, just about in earshot, he was just going at the ref for something or other. I think he got he got it was a potential foul in the middle of the pitch. Again, nothing really. It wasn't it wasn't as if it was a penalty decision or anything. It was it was something and nothing. Kept on, you know, yap, yap, yap. And and then the fact that when he was showing the red, he just like there was there was considering I know they had a two-goal lead, but you know it's half an hour of the game left, and Ibrahimovic kind of turns his back and just mm. makes for the bench. You know, I don't know if he, he felt like he'd had enough of the game. I, I kind of had watching it, <laughs> but it, that that was it. I thought to myself, it just made you think. He said a little bit more than maybe what's come across there. I don't know it was just that's the only thing that makes me question the reports that have come out post-game that Ibrahimovic just didn't go with a fight, and it's not something you would kind of yeah. Taking take um, the earlier incident this season with uh, Lukaku in the Coppa Italia, it's like he's not backwards in coming forwards, and you would have thought he would. <laughs> he's not going to square up to the ref, though, is he? Why not? But at least put you know, not just turn your back and go. Maybe try and have you know, you've already been sent off. Try and at least have thirty seconds, a minute of discussion with the the, the ref to say, you know, I've been there. The refs won't hear it anyway. You know, by by then they've gone. They've made mm. the decision. They don't want to. You know, even with VAR these days, I don't want to reverse the, these things. Um, but yeah, just it was just the way for me. Just that he turned the way around, walked I, off. I I do love that Donnarumma seeing this didn't think oh, I better keep keep my mouth shut. He was like, Nah, I'm going in on the ref here. Well, Donnarumma's captain, isn't he? In uh, Romagnoli's absence, so I don't know that. I does it. I think that affords you a little bit more leniency, and mm. I think he possibly knew that that he. You get a little bit more off referees if you've got the armband on. Goalkeepers don't get sent off anyway, right? So it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. But I love the picture 
where Ibra's walking off him. You can just see Pioli looking at him with his, with his arms out, like, what have you done, you idiot? But there you go. Um, Vito, the big story about Zlatan Ibrahimovic this week, of course, is nothing to do with his red card. It's that he's entering an acting career. He's going to star in the new Asterix and Obelix film, which I don't know when it's being recorded and all of that, but Ibra's got the, the part of antivirus. <laughs> uh, it seemed like it was on the cards for years, but you know, it's a bit surprising that it's happened now. Um, a few months ago, it might have been just when you know we were all having our lockdowns all over the world. I was watching an old interview of him when he was at LA Galaxy and he was on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and uh, that I think he was just jokingly saying it, or even Jimmy Kimmel was Jimmy Kimmel was suggesting it to it that uh, he'd make a great Bond villain. And uh, when I look at Zlatan, I thought, yeah, I, I could actually believe that, as long as he doesn't make his uh, sort of um, arrogant Zlatan remarks and tries to keep a straight face as much as possible, that he could pull it off. But if he starts saying. I am Zlatan, I'm better than uh, James Bond. I make better martini and have better drink than you. I am Zlatan. So I thought maybe that could have been another career trajectory there. But uh, I suppose this asterisk stuff is a starting point for Zlatan. So at least he, he has some goals post-football. Kev, you're just sitting there rolling your eyes. Well, yeah, I was just wondering whether maybe these are the... I think Maldini's come out and said, you know, it's just a few minor little things to be to be drawn up in the contract before he gets another year's extension. So I'm just wondering if these are the things that, uh, that are being done. <laughs> you need to stop it, it, performing at festivals. Yeah. It, it reminds me um, a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, Zlatan made his return to the Swedish national side um, and I'm paraphrasing now but saying Jonathan Wilson said that it was like he's got the utmost respect and admiration for Ibrahimovic the footballer mm. but Zlatan sort of the person now I'm just it's just I'm just tired of the tediousness you know he finds him incredibly tedious and that's kind of how I am now with, with Zlatan. I mean, he summed it up perfectly that you can't take away anything he's achieved on the football pitch, but everything else now is, is just getting a bit <laughs> What do you think about the renewal? Do you think it's a good decision? He's about 72. Uh, no, you know, he's in his physical condition with his contribution this season, even if he gets... Sort of two thirds of that, you know, goal tally or whatever, you know, and assists and things. You know, he played a lovely assist for the, the Rebic Open, mm. I think. So, yeah, if it's one year, you know, they're not giving him stupid money for like three years now. It's it's certainly more sensible than Juve giving Buffon another year, I would suggest. But again, he, he didn't have a bad game actually the other day. He was very good, actually. Midweek, Buffon yeah. was. Um, but I don't, yeah, no, I think, I think both renewals make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Ibra as well, because of how well he's done, it's easy to forget that when he re-signed for Milan, nobody thought he was going to do this well. You know, he was brought back in as an experienced head who could maybe score a goal or two. But he's just been a, a freak. So as a footballer, he's been phenomenal. I think it does make perfect sense to keep him on for another year. And even if he only plays a third of the games next season, 
he'll play a part in in the dressing room, no doubt. Yeah, you wonder if he should play the Mandzukic role next year for Milan. You know, they they kind of brought in Mandzukic to support Ibrahimovic, and it's maybe they should have maybe not even bothered with that deal at all and just focused on getting a or maybe promoting Liao if he's going to play through the middle and and have Ibrahimovic as a backup and save his body a little bit regardless of the excellent condition it looks like he's in. A couple of players that don't need their bodies to be looked after to quite such an extent are the four goal scorers in Juve, Genoa, Gianluca Scamacca, Dejan Kulusevski, Alvaro Morata and Weston McKennie all very much on the up. Maybe not Morata, but the rest of them. And Juve won 3-1 against Genoa. And Vito, I've got to hold my hands up here. I've got to hold my hands up. I celebrated Juve's opener because of the goal scorer. When I, when I saw that Kulusevski scored that goal, I thought to myself, oh, Connor must be happy. Because <laughs> I, saw, I saw on Twitter, you know, you posted or did a quote tweet of something and you mentioned Kulusevski. And then, of course, you get a few of those uh, doubters of uh, Kulusevski as someone who covered uh, Parma constantly and of course, follow Atalanta, so you knew of him in the Primavera, uh, you know about Kulusevski's strengths. You've seen how he plays, and he was superb last season for the Crociati. So uh, seeing a goal like that, it's like, this is Kulusevski. This is what he was brought in to do. Um, unfortunately for him, he hasn't been able to produce that sort of consistency or produce that brilliance on a more regular basis for the Bianconeri. But uh, this is uh, what he can do, and uh, hopefully for his sake, um, he can uh, produce more of that uh, during his career because uh, it goes to show that he's a superb player when he's you know playing either in the right position or he's in the right uh, uh, frame of mind. Mm. No, you're right. It did bring out some idiots, that tweet, actually. It was about how the original tweet was from someone else. I can't remember who, sorry. But about Jesse Lingard having a really nice run of form since he's left United and is at West Ham. It was about how like the environment and confidence can play a huge part in a player's role. And I just said Dejan Kulusevski because he's suffering the exact opposite of what Lingard's been going through. And yeah, you get these... There was one guy in particular who I liked. He... Um, he said that Dejan Kulusevski was never good enough to play for Juve um, and then admitted to not having watched them at Parma last season. And I just thought, right, there's no arguing with you then. Mute. Um, but what can you do? What can you do? Kev, were you as happy as I was that Dejan scored? Uh, no, I don't, <laughs> think anybody, I don't think anybody can be as happy as you. But um, I, think I've seen, I think I saw an official... I thought it was an official tweet from Juventus saying that the goals are the result of excellent wing play, you know, excellent work from Quadrado and Chiesa. And I thought it did a little bit of a disservice to the finish of Kulusevski to sort of say that it was all down to the... Because it was a good run from Quadrado to cut it back to him. But he had plenty to do to, to bend it in from the edge of the box. But um, yeah, but no, nobody can be as happy as you are for Kev, just give me your hand there and I'll pull you up onto this bandwagon because you're well and truly on the Dejan bus now. I'm in full support of that. Welcome aboard, my friend. Welcome aboard. 
Uh, but to be fair, Juan Cuadrado did do very well to, to set up that goal. But someone else who did very well to do something was Cristiano Ronaldo did very well to miss when he had basically an open goal from a better yard. All right, the angle was a little bit tough, but he somehow hit the post. And Morata was there, kept to, to mop up. And in the end, they had a brief little bit of panic, maybe for, what, five minutes after Scamacca scored and then Piazza hit one over the crossbar. But the result was never really in doubt for you, Veyer. No, so, so you watched it because I was uh, watching the other game, but it didn't sound like it. Um, I saw a bit of a flurry of social media activity with the the miss from uh, Marco Piazza. But, uh, yeah, they'll they'll take that now and probably keep themselves in the Champions League because they they got over the line midweek against Napoli, which was arguably much more important as much as Vito probably enjoyed uh, Genoa losing. <laughs> Well, there is that, you know. I mean, uh, La Vecchia Signora defeated Il Vecchio Balordo, so that's got a good ring to it, general lost. But uh, instead of having my usual hammering of the Grifone, I want to point out something interesting about the Genoa goal. It was Ravella that took the corner and Scamacca scored it. So these two youngsters or young players have... um, were involved in Genoa's goal and they have been linked with Juve. So make of that what you will. Is that Was that like the little audition to say to Agnelli and Paratici, hey, buy us, buy us? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. But then you, you probably have Piazza in their ear being like, guys, don't go there. Don't go there. You're <laughs> better off. Um, mm. but yeah, possibly, Vito. But I'm sure there was a lot of celebration in your house for that game because obviously your, your dad has Juventus mm. leaning with you hate Genoa with every fibre of your being. So it was a nice day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As long as Genoa loses, it's good fun all around. Unless, Vito, Sampdoria are playing at the same time and they lose mm. 2-0 at home to Napoli. Before mm. we get into that decision, give mm. us the, the rundown on how this game went at Marassi. Probably in the first few minutes, it looked like that at the start, both teams were just trying to sort each other out, basically trying to create the play, and then after five, ten minutes, it was pretty much Napoli. They they brought back, um, it was like echoes of the Sari era, just the way they were slick on the ball, the composure on the ball, very confident in their play, and um, they probably should have scored more than the two goals that they did. And although Sampdoria showed a bit more urgency in the second half, and Napoli were creating the clearer chances and and um, it was probably one of the better performances from Napoli despite uh, only scoring twice. Um, from Samp, uh, it was clear that Albanecto and Adrian Silva were missing. They needed someone to really dictate the play from the deep. But um, um, as uh, although I do think the part 10 or pay deserved their win. Just felt that if Morton Torsby's goal had stood, that could have changed the momentum somehow. And uh, I really thought, yeah, I was honestly shocked that uh, the goal was disallowed, to be honest. Uh, not just my personal bias, but just even the whole action, the circumstances of it all. Just, I'm going um, to have to cut in me. here because I just I need yeah. to, to warn you. 
Yeah. I've never seen you say the word that you said on Twitter. Please don't say it on the podcast. <laughs> but no, I won't. <laughs> can you go into what happened there? Uh, you, I used a fair bit of uh, profane language about the referee, Paolo Valeri, for disallowing that goal and even just the usage of VAR, even to disallow the goal. That way I thought, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with you guys? I mean goes to show that Italy doesn't produce the great referees that it used to. A nation that produced referees like Concetto Lobello and Pierluigi Golina are now producing donkeys. Donkeys. And it's a sad thing, you know, since the turn of the century, whether it's referees, coaches or administrators, and now incompetent social media managers, but that's another can of worms. And I don't understand the words coming out of their mouth. Oh. Just oh, such so- a terrible decision. I mean, Torsby got a good enough jump on Koulibaly, okay? So just because his hand just happened to be on Koulibaly's back doesn't mean he deliberately pushed him on the ground. And Koulibaly's a solid bloke too. So I, that goal should have stood. That header should have stood. It was a good header. I thought maybe they were clutching at shorts. I think Balde had fouled Espina, but Espina... He should have came off and let Merritt play. He was falling down all the time and getting hurt. But, uh, yeah, um, I thought this would have been a sit to at least get a point in a game when we weren't playing well. And, yeah, it was disappointing. But, uh, yeah, even if I put my biases aside, if it happened to someone else, I just thought that was a harsh way to disallow the goal. That was ridiculous. Kev? Yeah, I saw someone, I saw someone trying to justify that. It was the Balde foul out foul on Espina, but Espina barely came for the ball anyway. Yeah. He wouldn't have got he wouldn't have got there because Forsby and Koulibaly were in front of him. And and Balde just sort of his ran took him into Espina. The ball was already in the net and at most Forsby's mm. arm had, had got you know, maybe touched the shoulder of Koulibaly. But I think because Ospina had been down for four or five minutes before. I don't know. I don't think the ref was trying to protect him. I just, I don't think they wanted to give a goal after, um, you know that, that the amount of treatment he'd taken and, yeah, it was it was a ridiculous decision. But you know maybe it was maybe it's just because they couldn't tell who was the uh, Sam player and who was the yeah right. I was gonna I was gonna go on to that of, because if we're talking about ridiculous decisions, Kev, that that was outrageous. Yeah, it, it was. You've got a team that play in navy blue, um, you know, uh, well, what you probably call the classic shade of navy blue. It'd be royal not blue. Even, not even a dark, well, royal blue, maybe. Um, God, I don't use that very often anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, then you've got Napoli sky blue. Um, Napoli played Wednesday night against Juve, unnecessarily, but in a, in a sort of black with pink trim strip, mm. which would have been much easier to determine them and Sam this today if they changed into that. But no, they chose their, their Argentina-inspired strip. So would their home shirt have been better? Yeah. Because Sam have a big white ring on their shirt and Napoli changed to wear white and blue. It was scandalous, this decision. My God. And the, I can't remember. I'm sure it's this season, but it might have been last season just because the two have merged together. But there was an instant within the top five leagues top five European leagues this year where 
a side turned up with a change of kit and the official refused to let them wear it. So the home side, you know, which is, I think, probably because of sponsorship and everything else, and they were forced to change into their away kit at their home stadium because the, the away team had arrived with the only one, one strip to play in, which the referee deemed not suitable. And I just can't believe that, that isn't the call of an official in, in Italy as well. And I just don't know the answer whether it is or not, but it just seems ridiculous that they allow it. Well, we're on kits. Did you see what happened in the Europa League the other night when Roma went to Amsterdam? They were wearing their whites. Both I know, teams I don't know wore away kits. Um, okay. Because Roma's away kit would have clashed with Ajax's home kit. But I don't know why Roma couldn't wear their black kit because then Ajax wear red and white at home. Obviously, Roma can wear their black. Surely that works. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably some strange UEFA rule. Because of how UEFA like to uh, keep the numbers the same. If someone joins and takes over a shirt, you know, say, say the number mm. nine shirt, then you know, you're forced to wear sort of 29 or whatever else because when <laughs> when UEFA give out do all their statistics on their website and things, they, they can't possibly have the same, same unique identifier for, <laughs> for, one, for two people. Yeah, well, Papu Gomez wears 24 in La Liga and 42 in Europe yes. for Sevilla so yeah it does happen anyway um, on to this evening's game Sunday evening the last game of the round Atalanta beat Fiorentina 3-2 and Vito oh no you just sorry Kev <laughs> Vito was asleep for, for a bit um, <laughs> Kev I'm in love with Duvan Zapata Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, more, more in love than usual. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah I, I saw you joke that he was going to get hooked at half time because he'd already scored his sort of, well, what sometimes feels like customary two goals. But that's what he did to Muriel last week. Muriel had yeah. two in the first half and he got hooked. But um, yeah, it was it, it was a great header. The it was a great touch and finish for the second. Malinowski puts in a wonderful pass. I'm not sure we all knew whether he had that level of 
delicacy in his passing repertoire. Um, but yeah, wow, well, wow, the big man's up top and storming through teams like that. They're going to continue punching well above the weight of their wage bill. This is the kind of goal that, if the, fir- the first one, right, is the kind of goal that if Cristiano Ronaldo scored it, there'd be people slowing it down and putting, I don't know, dramatic music over his jump. He was about, uh, like, whoever was jumping beside him's head was at, like, his hip. It was unbelievable how high he got. And he's just, he's a freak. There was a bit in the second half where... He turned brilliantly as the ball dropped out of the sky. And I think, I think, I think it was Lucas Martinez oh, Quarta. And Quarta comes along and with two hands shoves him in the back. And Duvan doesn't even break stride. <laughs> I don't think he even noticed that it happened. It was amazing. But credit to Drangovsky because he kept Duvan from getting his hat trick today as he always does against Atalanta at the game of his life. Yeah, right towards right towards the end, didn't he? He stopped it, you know, when he was throwing goals just mm. before he came off. So I was just going to go back to that quarter because there was another instance where they, they slowed it down in the footage and you saw him watching for Zapata. You know, not, not a quick look over the shoulder to see where the man is and I'm going to give him a sly dig. <laughs> he was clearly struggling so much with containing him. He just looked straight at him for the two or three paces that he took before sending an elbow into sort of his rib cage, which actually for for once did sort of put uh, Zapata into a, a, a small period of sort of discomfort as he sort of went to ground. And um, I thought that should have been punished. Was that far the incident than right early in the game? No, no. Um, it must have been second half. I, I didn't see it originally. Um, it was it was only when I was watching the replay and I thought, wow, he's really looked at him. And I'm like, if they're looking at that now, because I I think I probably was drawn to it because I thought they were looking at it for VAR because it was it was just blatant. He was just literally like, there he is. There's that there's that bloke who's been causing me an absolute nightmare. Let's just go. Let's just go and give him something to leave me alone. <laughs> go over to one of my other defenders. Go and go and harass them. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a little bit. You know, you understand it happens. Like I say, the old one over the shoulder leave a little bit on them, um, you know, maybe get your trailing leg to come through on the body of a man when you're tackling, you know, these are all little things we've all done. Um, but that one was just blatant. I just think it's just, I don't know, seeing it really, it's just a bit too horrible. Yeah. Something that was interesting for me for this game was obviously from the very beginning, Atalanta set up with a back four again. Gasparini hadn't played a back four for five years. Now he's done it three games in a row. I think Atalanta now play with a back four. I think that's what Atalanta now do. In the second half, they shifted to the usual three, five, two, one, whatever it is. But this new setup, Ruslan Malinovsky has become a new player in that he still makes ridiculous decisions every once in a while. Like there will be, I don't know, space everywhere, but at one particular part of the pitch, there'll be three opposing players and he'll run there or he'll shoot when he shouldn't shoot. But he has learned how to actually pass a ball in the last few weeks. And some of the passes he's played have been glorious, particularly for Duvan's, I think it was the second goal. Um, He played a really, really nice pass through there. And I I just have to say, credit to Ruslan Malinovsky because nobody has criticized him more than I have since he joined Atalanta, but he's doing very, very well. There is also talk that 
Hans Hathaway is on his way back. So he should be back training at least in the next week. So that will be interesting to see if Atalanta persists with the back four when he does return. My suspicion would be they don't. But maybe next season, if if Gossens leaves, as a lot of people expect them to in the summer, then Hathaway can play on the right of the back. And then, I don't know, Toloi or someone else, maybe Mella as well, could play left back in the back four. Yeah, just we spoke about this quite a lot last week, didn't we? And it's it's had me it's had me not not only watching Atalanta, but I was listening to Brendan Rodgers um, just just today actually, and he was saying about the whole back three back four issue, and maybe that just that that dynamic of the back. Like if you're playing with a back five, and he said people get bogged down with what formation you're actually playing. You can play a back four, but you have one really attacking fullback so actually you've got five men across the middle or you play over back four but you actually have one almost static deep line defender who then drops in the center half st- uh, splits and then you again you're three five two or you start with three center halves and you are again in possession if you're a progressive attack inside and you know with these fluid interchanging positions almost every side plays with five across the midfield you know if you like attacking sides it's only really the really uber defensive ones that will play with a solid four across the back or a solid a static five across the back but most teams that we would probably categorize atlanta in are always playing with well i suppose high fullbacks or what you know uh or wide men that cover the entire flank if you like so it's yeah, I think it's one of those scenarios, but I do expect it to go back to what it was when Atabor returned. I think you're right, because you see it when Atalanta are in possession that their own, the beauty of having their own is that he's basically a centre-back who plays in midfield. You know, he, he very often drops into that gap between, tonight it was Romero in the first half and Palomino, and then Jim City came on and in the end, they ended up bringing on, I can't remember what happened in the end, Mele came on and it all changed around again, but Atalanta are still in the top four, and it's looking pretty good for them now. Um, I think possibly the most fun game of this weekend happened at the very bottom of the table. Well, not the very... Yeah, at the very bottom, but the winner wasn't at the very bottom because Crotone went to Liguria, and they lost 3-2. But I had a match report written that said they won because they were winning 2-1 until the 89th minute. Obviously, Simi scored. It's now 16 for the season for him. And I think it's six in a row in which he scored a ridiculous record. But it wasn't to be because Giulio Maggiore and Martin Ehrlich popped up with goals in the 89th and 92nd minute, respectively, to win it for Spezia. But Vito, we've got to talk about Simi. He's not playing in Serie B next season. Crotone are, Simi's not. Oh, it'd be absurd if he uh, drops down again because uh, he was with Crotone the first time they were in Serie A and he stuck with them. But surely now other Serie A clubs should take a, a good look at him because he's a tall guy, but um, he's he's still a good finisher with his feet. And uh, I reckon he should be staying in Serie A. Uh, Junior Messias should stay in Serie A. And probably, you know, Adam Munis, um, I think he's had his share of struggles in Serie A, but uh, I think his loan spurt Crotone has shown that uh, he can um, produce his uh, moments of quality when given the chance. So even if he doesn't go back to Coyote, I mean, surely another Serie A club can uh, 
take him on next season. Kev, he's 28, as you just pointed out. I thought he was older, to be perfectly honest with you, but 28, he's having the best scoring season of a Nigerian in one of Europe's top five leagues since, like, Yakubu in, what was it, 2007, when he had that really good year with Blackburn? Um, but he's just won off that record now, and he's probably going to break it, you would say. He's got to go to someone like Bologna or uh, Verona or someone but Simi has got to stick about. And as Vita rightly pointed out, Macias as well. Yeah, I think, well, he obviously takes their penalties. So I think he will he will break that record. But I think, you know, I say he's 28, he's 29 in September. So probably by the time Serie A starts again, if he doesn't stay in Italy, I think if you're his agent or whatever, I think that's that's what you're probably saying to Crotone that, he can't, you know, he's, he's probably at a peak, you know, he's, he's got this sort of, if we call it a purple patch and you'd be wanting to, to continue to test yourself in a top European league as opposed to even sticking around because, you know, maybe what the club's giving you and, and everything else is, I think he, he has to be a little bit selfish and and push to be playing still in a in a top major European league next season. He's only under contract until the end of next season. So uh, Crotone will kind of be pressured into doing something this summer, right? They either sell him this summer or risk losing him on a free. And they don't really have much negotiating power if they're down in Serie B either, unfortunately for them. But I just think all of the teams that get promoted should be immediately trying to sign Simi. And a lot of the teams who, basically everyone in the bottom half who doesn't get relegated this season should be trying to sign Simi. Fiorentina could do with someone like that. You know, Vlaovic is going to get sold sooner or later. Get Simi and he'll do a job for you. But Crotone are a lot of fun. Spezia, though, Vito. We've spoken about them a few times on this podcast this season, of course. Great to see them get a win. They are now surely in there's no chance that they're going to get sucked into the relegation fight now. I'd be very surprised if they did. Um, they've generally played well this season, but uh, um, this probably wasn't one of the best performances, I should say. That um, probably there have been other games where they've had either, not necessarily more endeavour, but they were able to combine a lot better, play with a bit more intensity and uh, create far greater openings, but uh, in this particular game, uh, they didn't get overwhelmed by uh, Crotone, and uh, towards the end, they showed that uh, they could turn the game around, and uh, Berlich to provide the assist for, oh my God, now I can't, I think was it Maggiore that mm-hmm. made it 2-2? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he got the assist for Maggiore, that was a good pass to him, and then he popped up with the winner himself, so, yeah, it's always good if, even if the whole team's not playing at the best, you still got to focus on the remaining last few minutes, get what you can, and that's what Spezia did. And they managed to turn around in a rather incredible fashion. Kev, they've got 32 points now, which in their first ever Serie A season is the best total for a side in their first ever Serie A season since Kievo got 47 in 2001-2. Does that show just how bad the the teams, not the promoted teams, but the, the new Serie A teams have been, the likes of Carpi, Frosinone, Benevento, the likes of those guys have been, or should we give Spezia that bit of credit? Um, I, I don't think it's sort of, we say, good from a quality 
perspective. It's it, it. I think it's just how refreshing it's been this year that the teams have come up and played some nice football, attempted to to win games. You know, Crotone have played some lovely stuff this year as well. They've not quite had the rewards that Benevento and Spezia have had. You know, sometimes that's just the, the rub of the green. But I suppose too often teams come up, try to hold firm, pick up the odd points where, you know, look at the benefits to, to those two sides this season for, for taking a different approach. And it's not probably not that they're better, you know, on paper. But it's, you know, having a different approach this year has certainly benefited them. And hopefully the three sides that come up next season will do the same. There were a lot of other games that we're not really going to give all that much attention to. Lazio beat Verona 1-0. Hard-fought win, but Vito, Verona are a difficult team to beat. So Lazio will take that 1-0 stoppage time win all day long. Oh, definitely. Especially against a team like Verona, that's just been... So well, uh, so well drilled defensively. Um, I think away at um, win away at the Bentegotti is always great to get. And Malinkovic Savic uh, scoring the win, I think uh, again he shows that he's just such a useful player. Just uh, both both parts of the pitch, he'll make a contribution. And uh, if if it's not Immobile or one or Kaiseido scoring the goals, you can count on him to chip in from midfield and get something as well. So, uh, well taken win, and Malinkovic Savage uh, once again shows how decisive he is for the Bianco Celesti. Back in the Eternal City of Rome, Roma beat Bologna 1 0 in a game that Kev and I both watched but can't really think of anything that happened in it. It wasn't very exciting, but there was one thing which was good, and it's Borchemeyerl's goal because the touch that he pulls off to just I don't know what Skorupski's doing by the way running out to where he ran out to but Meyerald just this elegant little touch where he just elevates the ball and lets Skorupski slide under it and Meyerald doesn't seem to move forward as he does this and collects the ball taps into an open goal on the other side really really nicely taken um Bologna might have scored a couple of times before Roma got ahead but once Roma got ahead the second half was pretty dull uh, that goal came just on the stroke of half time, of course. And the other game is down at the bottom where Udinese lost 1 0 to Torino. And that means Torino now have a five point cushion and a game in hand over Cagliari, a seven point cushion and a game in hand over Parma. Kev, the bottom three is settling nicely if you're a Torino fan and settling not so nicely if you're a fan of Cagliari and Parma because they're probably gone. Yeah, Torino have obviously got a, a game in hand as well on on the closest um, challengers, Cagliari. I didn't see any of the bottom four reaching thirty points at one stage, <laughs> you know, a few weeks back. Um, so I think Torino now look like the, the more likely to pick up something maybe closer to to thirty five, thirty six, and be safe because mm. Cagliari look like they've just too often have got. Not enough fighting them. Yeah, well, Torino have 27 points now to Calories 22 and Parma's 20. Crotone rock bottom on just 15 points. But Crotone have won more games than Parma this season because Parma have only won three. But I'll be going to Serie B games next season. Don't you worry about that at the Tardini. Saturdays, need something to do on a Saturday before going to ridiculous numbers of Serie A games on Sundays. Um, 
something we never spoke about last week, Kev, but you want to address now. I think I've spoken about all the games, haven't we? Give me a nod or shake the head. We've spoken about all of them, except for the game that's not been played yet. Inter launched a new logo. Reluctant to call it a crest because it's a little bit different because it's like the Juve thing. It's a fashion thing more so than football, but people have spoken about this now, but Kev, you specifically want to talk about it. For what reason? Well, no, no just because we, we had a question, didn't we, on, on, on Twitter ahead of last week's pod, and then we, Did we probably rambled so much and we forgot. Yeah, somebody asked if we were going to discuss. They, they, they said that it was in need of discussion. You said it would be dependent on me if I wanted to. I gave you my feelings hey, no, on the you whole. You didn't bring it up, so it's on you. Uh, yeah, I, I gave you my view on the whole I am um, promotion theme, which, again, I, I understand less than I do understand the, the, the change in logo because, you know, the Juventus one was, was terrible, but at least it was a significant change from what they had before. As Marco Jackson points out when this was oh launched, it, it, it just looks like Inter have changed the logo to now read tit. I can't not see her, that you know. now because it does. It, no. just, it just says tit in the middle of a, a circle. Like, that's that's what the new crest is. And when I look, step back and look at it, I do really like the badge. I think it's nicely done. I think it's quite minimalist in that you can make this work on a polo shirt or on a jacket or on, I don't know, a, a backpack. And it would look quite nice in a lot of different colors too, but it just says but, tit. But, but how does that differenti- differentiate from the previous crest? I think the thing which is also so crests are they're just... more exclusive than inclusive a lot of the time. Whereas if you go along this, it's not offensive to anyone. Because a lot of people will just see it as a nice design rather than a football crest. But before it just wasn't it just the it was the FC they've dropped. Yeah. So the the big thing with this is that for the first time I think ever they've got an M in their crest because Inter have never been Inter Milan in Italy. They're Internazionale Inter, but they're Inter Milan in the English speaking world, unfortunately. So the whole thing of adding the M and the big push with the I. Um, strong is to really really drive home that they are a club in Milan I think it's basically like an SEO thing for when you search for like football clubs in Milan Milan come up immediately and Inter are nowhere to be seen so it's basically their response to Google (laughs) this whole branding thing but the IM thing it's just a sentence spoken by an A2 English speaker with an Italian accent because they can't say I am, right? It's dreadful. I am, I am street. (laughs) Is that one of them? I I am street. And I'm assuming they've just looked at somebody that would, (laughs) that would vaguely fill a sort of a description of a, I don't know, a thug, you know, an inner city, an inner city youth. Um, I only realised when I was looking at I Am Record that uh, uh, oh, that yeah. it was a, it was a, it was it was a former it was a former player. So I'm assuming it's somebody who he's got an appearance record or something. I can't remember who it was now, but there, I think there was uh, Marco Matarazzi. I think he was I Am Record. No, I Am Victory or something, you know, or something other, which I'm assuming is 
is is loosely related to the the treble in 2010 and all you know any other trophies he won with Ron Vinter but yeah some of the some of the IMs just baffled me they just a lot of the time ridiculous. when things like this are designed you you think could you not just show it to someone in the street do you know like because it goes through all these offices and there's a certain thing to be said for it. once you see things enough you 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 just think you're numb to it right you just think yes good it's great it's it's all this just go to an English-speaking country and chat to people in the street and just think, what you, what you make of this? That says tit. Well, what's that? It's it's this. Okay, we might not do that then. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you, you know why a lot of marketing departments don't, don't often like to do too wide a stakeholder engagement? It's because the stakeholders tell them that it's shit. <laughs> um, in my experience, that's that's generally what happens. Um, I've had it myself where I've gone, I'm getting loads of complaints about, you know, what you've just done. You know, it's not, how many, how many of, you know, the staff members did you consult over this? And they go, oh no, we didn't. I go, why? So, well, we, we spoke to one or two, they didn't really like it. And we'd gone too far down the road by then. And, and this is what we were doing. Um, uh, there you go. Um, it's not yeah. It's it's not as bad as their fourth kit. I like that. I I, I, I it's, fourth kit's atrocious. <laughs> but I probably have sorry, Vito sitting in thinking Kev's <laughs> off on his kits again. <laughs> you, please do tell me your view, Vito. But the fact they've brought it out in April. Yeah. And I'm not even I'm not even sure whether they're gonna wear it, but they brought a fourth kit out in April with eight games of the season left. I saw somebody. I saw somebody eloquently put, "Have I spunk seventy quid on or seventy euros on a shirt into? Aren't actually going to wear?" And I thought, "Well, are they going to wear it? Because I don't know. Have they just brought out a fourth kit in April with a couple of games of the season left, and then they'll have a fourth kit for the twenty twenty one season that'll probably come out in I don't know May next year." See, I was confused by this. I thought it was a kit for next season, but no, it, is it actually for this season that kit? They are promoting it as fourth kit. Ah, okay. Now, unless it's and oh yeah, and I think they're promoting it as 20, 20, 21 fourth kit, not sort of twenty one twenty two. Fair enough. I like it, but I can see why people don't because it's not a football kit. It's it's a fashion shirt. I think it's quite nice. Um, Kev, you're seventy three. Relax. Um, it's time for the game, though. So this look. Kev's not very good at the game, but what he usually does when he goes first is says, is it Bruno Alves on his first guess? So in the absence of Vito, I thought, I know what, I'll give, I'll, we'll play the game with Kev, I'll give him a point, I'll make it Bruno Alves, he's going to immediately say, is it Bruno Alves? He'll get a point and everyone will be happy, it won't affect the standings at the end of the season. So what I did, Vito, in your absence was, played the game with Kev, made it Bruno Alves, and he didn't get it. He barely got to Parma. I stopped Bruno Alves weeks ago. He barely got to Parma, Vito, before the time ran out. So I'm going to have to let him go first today, Vito, and probably for the rest of the season, just to give him a chance. But you've two minutes on the clock. Mystery player. Starting now, Kev, go. Are they right-footed? <laughs> Fuck off. 
I don't think so. I don't think so. But let's start the clock again and let's not be silly, okay? Two minutes on the clock starting now. Are they Italian? They are Italian, yeah. Uh, do they play for a side that has that plays in blue? They do not play for a side that plays in blue. Uh, does this player play for a club in Northern Italy? They do play in Northern Italy, yes. Uh, is this club in Emilia-Romagna? They do not play in Emilia-Romagna, no. Kev, an Italian player who plays for a Northern Italian club, not in Emilia-Romagna. Do they play for... Uh, Milan. They do not play for Milan. Why are you going straight for clubs? Vito, over to you. Okay. They play in blue. Uh, is, so do bad. they play for one of the Turinese clubs? They do not play in Turin, no. Okay. Uh, do they play still in Genoa? Four regions. No, wait. They, then there's a... What's your question, Kev? Uh, <laughs> Do they play in Genoa? <laughs> You're an idiot. Do they play for they Genoa, actually? They do not play, play in blue. the city of Genoa, no. Okay. And both teams wear blue. Okay, is this an Udinese player? No, it's not an well, Udinese player. I wasn't sure on the blue in Genoa. Anyway, Kev, also, it's okay, your turn. So There's 33 Udinese. seconds left. Um, My God. Okay. It, uh, There's uh, one club... Left. They, pl- they play for Fiorentina. Oh, sorry. There's another club left. It's not Fiorentina. <laughs> oh, God. You're, it's your turn, Vito. Just, let's just kill it. 12. Oh, jeez. 10. This is bad. Northern Italian club, not in the city of Genoa. They don't wear blue. Four, three, two, one. Oh, we're on Spencer here. The, oh, the club yeah, is Spezia. The club it's is Nicola, Spezia. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's Verdi. It's Daniele Verdi, yeah. yeah. It's Daniele Verdi. But unfortunately, Kev, oh. you're too bloody late. Yeah, but I won the moral victory. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> I need to work this out, but I think I've got more points than you now, Kev. And I'm not playing the oh, game. Oh, no, no, because I've got Aaron Hickey. Before we had last week, I got Aaron Hickey. I think I'm on five. Uh, I think <laughs> no, I think we're both on four. <laughs> and I think uh, one of your fives will have been Vito's tactical delays. <laughs> well, but one of my fives was the player that you guess every week before the game starts, Kev. And if you'd said that he did, he was right-footed, he <laughs> Daniele Verdi scored with his right foot. That would have been my next guess um, earlier. Bollocks. Um, mm. I think, is he quite <laughs> left-footed though, isn't he? Verde? He's left-footed. Yeah. Verde. yeah he scored, he scored with his right foot. Right this, uh, mm. yeah. um, I didn't even notice how stupid one of your guesses was until Vito started laughing. The first, They don't play well, in blue. Genoa. Do they play in Genoa? Both yeah. teams wear blue. <laughs> See, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I class Genoa's blue as sort of. I suppose I'm going traditional royal blue with again. With that, it's... I always go to Nick. Blue is blue. So mm. with like Cagliari, if someone says, "Do they play in blue?" I'd say, "Yeah, their nickname's Ross or Blue, and they've got a bluish mm. color." Yeah. Um, but you didn't get it anyway because you're a moron. Next, 
But Vito, you're not a moron. I like you very much. And I like you very much <laughs> because you've been rounding up the primavera for us on FIF. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what happened in the primavera this weekend? All right. So uh, Sampdoria actually managed to maintain top spot and they've got the clear lead. They defeated Genoa in the local derby 3 1. Uh, so that was great for them. R- Roma drew 1-1 with Fiorentina and that's bad for them because they were fighting for top spot and they got second. And then um, Inter are in third place and they played in the opening game of the round. They travelled to Ascoli and they almost squandered it, but uh, at the death they managed to hold on for the 2-1 win with a nice diving header. So, yeah, it's looking quite interesting there and... um, you know, um, at least from a Sump fan, at least the kids are doing better than the seniors. Get them into the first team next season. Bring Gianpaolo mm. back. Get the kids involved. And you'll be back mm. in Europe before you know it. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> hope that's the case. But realistically, I'm not expecting too much. I'm not holding my breath. But hopefully it's something now. Like, fingers crossed. Fingers right. crossed. It'd be nice to have a competitive Samp again so we can reignite mm. the, the FIF derby between Sampdoria yeah. and Atalanta because it's it's not been very fun. Yeah. I know Samp have won this season, but it's not. there's no nothing on the line there, you know? No. Not only that, you know, I've seen you two, uh, lads, you know, your teams are in the CL, you know, the Champions League. We haven't been in the qualifiers since... 2010, 2011, and when we were in the competition proper, we reached the final, but mm. haven't been anywhere close since. So, long yeah. way. It's been a very long way. So. Well, me and Kev have been going head to head in the Champions League this season, and even getting knocked mm. out by the same team by the looks of it. But... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. But I did say by the looks of it. Um. Anyway, any more to say? See you next week. Vito, thank you. Kev, say goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye from me, obviously. From me. Who else would I be saying goodbye for? Non siete soli, stiamo aspettando che la qui lavori, non siete soli, non siete soli, stiamo aspettando nel cielo che la qui lavori. curva questa festa popolare senti il grido che ti spinge avanti che ti fa volare questo è un nido di rapaci questa è spezia che ne dici qui si sente un coro solo quello delle nostre voci e si va si va con i nostri colori dentro ad ogni città noi si va si va siamo uccelli predatori siamo aquile si sa Non siete soli, stiamo aspettando che l'acqua lavori, non si
aveva queste ali e questi artigli Era un covo di pirati e noi siamo i loro figli Guarda non ti puoi sbagliare, stiamo sotto le bandiere Che hanno un'aquila nel centro e sono bianche e sono nere Si va, si va serves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. <laughs> 